chapter 7. We'll get there eventually. I just have a few things I want to say first. Luke, Luke chapter 7. This year, just getting started, I want to tell you a few things or encourage you, maybe admonish you a little bit. The first thing that I feel to admonish you about is you better know what you believe. That's not a threat coming from me, but I mean it sincerely. You better, you need to know what you believe, okay? We've been around a while. We've had many, many opportunities to study and learn and hear the preached word of God, and, and Lord willing, that will continue, but one way or another, we are a year closer to us meeting Jesus face to face. And that makes me happy. But just like this painting project, it makes me nervous. And I'm not worried for myself. But I don't know that everybody is ready to meet the Lord face to face yet. And I'll tell you the way to get ready. Know what you believe. Get in the Word. At minimum, everybody say minimum. I, I, I tell some people sometimes, I, I did two years of, of community college right after high school. And I tell some people sometimes, I liked college so much better than high school because on the very first day of classes, Every single professor I had said, if you want to get this grade in this class, you need to do these things. I thought, that's too easy. You're giving it away. You know, they give you this thing called the syllabus. You're going to have this many tests worth this many points, this many quizzes, this many homework projects. And I'm sitting there thinking, ooh, good. What, what do I have to do? Well, first of all, I'm on a scholarship. And this scholarship has a minimum GPA. So, I really don't want to have to pay any more than is necessary for this course. So, what do I have to do to keep this GPA? I'm just being honest with you, okay? The teenagers are gone. Don't get worried. <laughs> but I would, tell, I would say, what's the, I, I, I don't want to lose the scholarship. So what's, what do I have to do to keep the scholarship? Well, it had a GPA minimum, and if you get below that, your funding is gone. So I thought, okay, I'm sitting here doing the math in my head. I've gotta, I gotta got got this many classes, and I, each one all together, if I get a total of this, that's going to give me that GPA. And then I took every class, and I said, okay, so to get the grade that I want in this class, I don't have to do that homework assignment right there. Because I can do this one and this one. Now, that's not the way to approach things, folks. I'm not giving you advice here. I'm giving you a confession. Because I hear the word minimum, and my, my brain starts to work. <laughs> and so I think, okay, skip this one, do this one, skip that one, do that one. To get, a t to get an A on this test, I'd have to do all this, but I can probably get a B, maybe a C even on a few of these, and I'll be fine. And I thought, well, let's, let's just do that. The reason why I'm saying this is because I want you to go to heaven. I want you to do a lot more than go to heaven, but if I have to put a minimum somewhere, I don't want you to be lost. I want to spend eternity in the same place as you, which is in the presence of the Lord. Now, I am not the professor, and I'm also not the judge, but I can give you some minimums. 
And I'll tell you, if you're not doing these things, don't expect a grade higher than the grades you want. So at minimum, you need to be praying every day. Don't let a day go by that you didn't get in touch with the Lord that day. You need, at minimum, to be reading the Bible every day. Don't let a day go by that you thought, well, uh, the Bible hasn't changed in thousands of years, so I can pick it up tomorrow. Mm-mm. My brother and my sister, you, you cannot make it a day God's way. You can't make it a day without hearing from Him and His Word. Now I'll give you one more minimum. There's more than this, and we'll talk more. This is only the first day of the year. But there's one more minimum I'm going to give you, and that is you need to be at church for church services. Okay? I'm not getting anybody in trouble. Don't worry. I'm not mad at anybody, and I'm not, I haven't looked at our attendance record in a while. So I'm not, I'm not trying to highlight or pinpoint anybody here, but I'm telling you, if you want to know what's the minimum I have to do, if you're not doing these things, don't expect the grade that you want. That's, now we, right now, and I don't have any plans or foreknowledge of any of this changing right now, but on Sundays, we meet here at 11 o'clock. On Fridays, we... Uh, not Fridays. On Tuesdays. You all have, where have you been on Fridays, folks? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> on, on Tuesdays, we meet here at 7 o'clock Tuesday night. I am telling you, if you want to get the grade, I would not miss these times in addition to the things that I just said praying every day reading the Bible every day I don't know I've heard this so many times talking in the context of parents saying why isn't the church fixing my my child and then well it's really easy you look we get them for one hour a week and how many hours a week do you have them as a parent Okay, we understand that in that context, but look at yourself, and I don't know, somebody might be saying, why isn't the church fixing me? We get you for what, two hours, maybe three a week? Oh, it's easy when you put your child in there, and well, yeah, amen to that, but if this is me, and I'm saying, I got three hours a week, Lord, if that... What are you doing the rest of the time? Uh, we, we would ask the parents that. Are they learning this at home? Are they hearing this? Are they seeing this at home? Well, I'm asking us. Are, am I learning this at home? Am I seeing this at home? Or is it just, get me to the church, please, so I can get good again? All right, that's, I'm coming off of that soapbox. But I'm, I started by telling you, this year you better know what you believe. I'm, I'm willing to teach and share and, and give all that I can that the Lord allows me to do. But I will be the first one to tell you that's not enough for you. It's really not. And I'm not interested in adding days of the week yet. So, my friends, we have to know what we believe. Get in the Word. If you don't know what you believe, you are an easy target. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I don't mean to be rude, but you're probably not even a target. If the enemy knows that guy's not going to harm me, I'll leave him alone and I'll go focus on the ones that will. He's going to trip right over that wire that I set five years ago. 
<laughs> That's how easy of a target you really are. Oh, okay, my friends. We want to say that the devil is tripping me up constantly. I can't make it through one day because he just, he's on my case and he won't get off of it. No, he's not. He set a, a tripwire for you five, ten years ago, and he knows you're still tangled in it. So he's on to somebody else. And he's just probably gauging you every now and then. Have they figured their way out of that mess yet? No, they haven't? Good, that snare is still working. Yes, it's still a daily battle for you, but it's trying to get out of this one thing still. That's, and we want to say, well, that's just how good and how clever he is. No, that's how, I talked about this a few weeks ago, that's how easy I make it on him in my flesh sometimes. So, if you don't know what you believe, you really are not even on the devil's map other than and if, he, if he or she gets curious and starts to learn more, I'll maybe show back up. But while they're floating off further and further away from where they ought to be, I'm just going to let them keep floating. Hey, I've, how many times have I said this? Flesh doesn't need help being flesh. So, Really, truly, I guess what I'm telling you is expect to become a target when you start to learn and grow and get closer to the Lord. But here's why I'm telling you this this way. Because the alternative to I don't want to be a target so I'm just not going to get any closer to the Lord. The problem is you're already too far away. We, we cannot fool ourselves into thinking, I'm, I've reached this little comfortable rut here. And I'm not, I don't have to worry because I'm not going to get bumped out of it. I'm not going to get shaken out of this spot. I'm good where I'm at. We just flipped over the calendar. And as time goes by, the world is getting worse and worse. So if you are not actively pulling against the current, you are getting further away because you're on, in, on this earth, in this world, which is collectively getting further away from the Lord. There, is, uh, there isn't just the minimum of just sit and do nothing. No, you're drifting while you're doing that. Further and further away from the Lord. Luke chapter 7, I believe it's verse 23. I want you to see this passage. Verse 29, sorry. Luke chapter 7, verse 29. What happens here is, I'll give you a little bit of a synopsis of this chapter. Jesus has been on the scene for a while. He's doing many works with his disciples. And you probably remember the story of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, and he came preparing the way for the Lord. Then when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist faded further and further away, and then he actually got put in prison. And while he's in prison, he sends disciples to Jesus and says, just go clarify for me. Go make sure, if you will, that I'm not wasting my time here in prison and that he really is the Messiah, the Lamb of God. So Jesus is with a crowd when John's disciples come to him and say, Lord, John wants us to make sure that you are who you say you are. And the response back he sends is, go tell John about all these miracles. The deaf hearing, the blind seeing, the dead being raised back to life. Go tell John that. And when, when they depart is while we're, where we're picking up right here. And I'm, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But you know, Jesus, it's kind of like he's saying, 
let me tell you all who those guys were and what they were doing here. They were sent by John. You remember John the Baptist? And then he tells them, what did you go out to see when you went to go see John the Baptist? Did you go out to see somebody dressed in fancy clothes? Somebody that's nice to look at? Is that what you, what you went out there to see? No. He tell, Jesus tell them. He's reading their mail. He says, those kinds of people are in the palace. If you want to see somebody dressed all fancy, go look in the palace. What did you go to see? Did you go to see some, he calls it a reed broken in the wind. That's, that's nature all around you. You find that anywhere. No, you went out to see a prophet, didn't you? Yes, you did. You went to see a prophet. And when you got to see the prophet, what is a prophet? A prophet is somebody that's bringing God's message to the people. So when you got to see the prophet, you heard the message from the prophet, which was, repent and be baptized. Yeah, that's Acts 2.38, I know, but that's also what John said. Repent, get ready, turn away from the life that you've lived up to this point, and get ready by being baptized for the one that's coming after me. That's the message that you heard. This is what Jesus says about that. Verse 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. So yes, way to go, bravo, all of you that listened and obeyed. You justified God. You, you fulfilled the request that God had. Next verse. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized. For the, it says, as, for they refused to be baptized by John. Some did, some didn't. Some listened and obeyed, some rejected. <laughs> I, I, if I was Jesus, I would, I would have to add this. I bet you thought I didn't know that, didn't you? You didn't know that I'm aware who obeyed and who didn't. But I know. The next verse. The Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? What can I say about a group of people that hears the word of God from the prophet John and chose not to obey it? But not only that, I've been around you for quite some time now, and I know how you feel about me too. I'm delivering you words, messages from God frequently, and I'm seeing you reject those as well. What am I going to compare you to? Verse 32. They are like children. Oh, ouch, that hurts. First of all, you're not very mature in your thinking. You're like a child sitting in the marketplace calling to one another. Kids talking amongst yourselves. And this is what they say. We have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned to you and you have not weeped. Let me read you that other, in this other translation real fast. They are like children sitting in the marketplace. One group shouts to the other, We played wedding music for you, but you wouldn't dance. We sang a funeral song, but you wouldn't cry. The next verse, verse 33. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you said, he had the devil, hang on, this is what Jesus said. He came to you one way. I mean, he was like the strictest of the strict. He was on the all-nature diet. And you said, that man is crazy. He's got a devil that's keeping him alive on this all-nature diet. And then, next verse, 
and about me, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, regular diet. Nothing, nothing odd or strange about me. I'm not, I'm not acting a fool like John the Baptist did. And you said, behold, he's a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. So truly what you're saying is that you have a problem with everybody but you. You get on this side of you and you got a problem with them because they're on this side of you. Get on this side and you got a problem because they're on that side. I, gotta, I do this to my children sometimes. So you think everybody has to think just like you think? You think because he or she said this, that's wrong because that's not what you would have said? That's what Jesus is telling them. What am I going to compare you to? You're like children. John the Baptist came and he fasted and drank no wine. You said he has a demon in him. The son of man came and he ate and drank. You said, look at this man. He's a glutton and a wine drinker, a friend of tax collectors and outcasts. Next verse. God's wisdom. The Lord says, but wisdom is justified of all her children. Another way of saying that. God's wisdom, however, is shown to be true by all who accept it. If you learn and put into practice the lesson that you're told, then following the lesson becomes the proof that the lesson was right. Here's how I would paraphrase this, what, what Jesus said to him. You won't be happy no matter what, and the error of your ways is what's to blame. There is no wisdom in your sitting there judging people and saying that one's wrong because of this and this one's wrong because of this. The, the reason why, the mind frame, the mindset that you are in is the reason why you won't be happy. You're not going to find someone that meets all of your expectations. And there's nothing wrong you can say about him. Wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. If, if by wisdom, I tell everybody, when we leave today, everybody go out that back door because there's a 10-foot hole right outside the front door. Well, I shared the wisdom with you. Now... After church, after everybody's gone, I get to open that door and open up and see I three people sitting down here in the hole. What I said was right and true. You proved it by the fact that you're down there. That's the wisdom. That's the wisdom proving that the wisdom is right and true. So the word of God, this is, he's, he's still going back to where he harped on them for not listening to John the Baptist. John the Baptist came and told you the right word, the instruction. And it's true, and we have the example of all these that followed the truth, and their lives are the examples. And yours, and the fact that you are sitting here in the mess that you are, is the proof, is the example not just that you did right, but what the instruction was given was wisdom, was correct. The people who obeyed John's words have the wisdom of their obedience proven through their lives. The people who refused to obey, this is what they did. They didn't just disagree. They weren't just being different. God had a plan and a purpose for their lives that they canceled. They annulled, invalidated the plan of God that was for their life. 
That's why this is pretty a, 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 a significant thing for Jesus to tell them this. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not just trying to say I got favorites and I like the ones that listen to me better. No, I would have done all the things that I've done for them, I would have done for you. That was my plan and that was my purpose. Remember he said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The same guy that said that, said, repent, said, get baptized, said, get ready for him and listen to him when he shows up. So, the ones that listened to him, obeyed him, they are now following my instruction. You get to a place where you refuse to acknowledge that one way is right and one way is wrong. Anybody, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to take a poll of this room, but I'm not going to do it. But I would like to know, in your true heart of hearts, do you think you are the only one right? And everybody else that says or does anything different from you is wrong. I don't think so. It's a dangerous mindset to think I'm the only one that knows right. To think anybody that does something opposite of me, different from me, different from how I would have done it, is wrong. This is why even the Lord chose multiple witnesses to share his word before he sent John forward. He sent a prophet way back thousands of years that said, not only is Jesus coming, but John's coming. The foreteller. He's going to share. So my friend, you've got this opportunity and this opportunity and this voice and this voice. You don't get to just say, well, they're all wrong. And you don't get to say, well, that one's right, but that one's wrong. If this one's saying the same thing that one said. It's the voice, it's the voice of testimony, the voice of truth that's shared. But, but our, the danger is we get to the point where we, we, we don't even know, this is why I said at the beginning, you've got to know what you believe. I don't even know enough to say one's right and one's wrong. I think they're all kind of okay. And we'll just float along hoping everybody's okay. You get to the point where you refuse to acknowledge that one is right and one is wrong. This, this, that principle alone, what I just shared, plays out in many different ways in everybody's life. Now, I'm not talking about, I like Burger King and McDonald's both and I can't decide between the two. No, I'm talking about right and wrong. Well, this is kind of right, and that's kind of wrong. There's some stuff right about this. This is why... Oh, I'm not going there today. It's kind of right, and it's kind of wrong. I'm trying to hurry. Be careful. I'm just giving you the words that the Lord's given me, okay? Be careful of the difference between fact-finding, a fact-finding spirit, and a fault-finding spirit. The, the Pharisees were looking at the faults of what they thought were the faults of John the Baptist and the faults of Jesus. Oh, he's keeping company with those people. He's going into the presence and sitting down with Sinners and all of those that he shouldn't be. I had this thought cross my mind while I was reading this. A few weeks ago we talked about Peter and Cornelius. And the fact that God had to give Peter that vision to prove. If I call it clean, you don't get to call it unclean. You realize that's not the first recording of that. Jesus is the first recording of that. He would go into anybody's house. 
He, did, he wouldn't say, well, I only keep the customs that the Jews keep. No, he was the example to the disciples. That I'm going where I'm supposed to go regardless of who they are, what they look like, what they talk like. Be careful the difference of a fact-finding spirit and a fault-finding spirit. The judgmental religious leaders of the day viewed John as having faults because of his extreme consecrated life and they viewed Jesus as too liberal because of his extremes. Imagine, imagine being so far off base that you view Jesus as too liberal. I mean, I, I know that sounds crazy, but that's what they did. We're extreme. They wouldn't say that. They would say, we're right. And so anybody that's not us is wrong. And so anybody that's got this kind of spirit or acts like this or goes there, wrong. John the Baptist and Jesus were both radical in comparison to the Pharisees. They thought John's too strict, Jesus is too indulgent. I got to say this one more time. Be careful when you think you're the only one living right. Because you are in danger of becoming like the Pharisees. I appreciate the diversity even in just our congregation and this body here. We've got some people. Oh, you're all listening. We've got some people that believe, well, I can do this, but I shouldn't do that. In the same congregation as people to think, well, I think it's okay to do that. And, and you're, both, you're all still here. I appreciate that. What does it mean? It means that each person is seeking what the Lord says is right for them. I mean, you're all here today, so clearly you're seeking something from the Lord, not me. Lord, I want to know what's right. I want to do what's right. And then he shows individuals sure you can partake of that with moderation with reason with wisdom and then he shows other individuals uh, I don't think I want you to participate in that at all Paul wrote about this extensively in his epistles and he said for meat destroy not the work of God that's a, his summation Something as simple as whether God tells you yes you can or no you can't is different than what he's told your brother or your sister. Yes you can or no you can't. And Paul's saying I know the human attitude, the human spirit would tell us go find the one that's wrong and tell them they're wrong and tell them you're right. Thankfully that's not existing here. I'm commending you all for that. I'm thankful for that. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, the problem with you all is that you think you all are the only ones doing anything right. But I'm telling you, not only are they all right, well, not all, but most, some, not all, the problem is not with them. The problem is with you. He told him at one point, you're like whitewashed sepulchers. On the outside, you look clean, good. But on the inside, death. You're full of dead men's bones. I would do a great service to myself if I stopped judging what others think they can do or can't do. And instead, I got in the word for myself and looked. 
I'm taking the word can out, and I'm saying, what does the Lord want for me? The Lord gives convictions to people individually. He does so with his reasons, with his wisdom, with his knowledge. And he says, Caleb, I don't think you should do this anymore. I know that was him. Okay, that, that, the question is not whether or not he said that to me. At least not initially. That's not my question. The longer I go wandering, then I start to question that. But ori originally, I know that was the Lord. And then, with that conviction that he's given me, my flesh, the first thing that I do, I say, okay, did you tell everybody this? Wait, am I supposed to tell everybody that? No, surely not. But you, hang on, I think you didn't even tell them the thing, same thing you told me. Why? Boy, we got the house of five children and you want to start a fight. I'll tell you the easiest way to do it. Show preference to one. Or call one aside and say, hey, I want... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shifting metaphors here, but stay with me. I want you to wear this special coat that I made for you. Run out there in front of your brothers in it. What does dad think that's going to lead to? <laughs> this is why the Lord, thankfully, I mean, whew, thank you, Lord. You've not told me to dress like that. But you have told me how you want me to dress. You have told me how you want me to act how you want me to speak. And then no, it's not to go and flaunt it in front of other people, the fact that you told me stuff. In fact, I know you well enough, I think this is a test. Lord, me and you have been walking together more than 30 years now. And I know when you tell me do this or don't do this, yes, it's your wisdom and it's for my good, but I know that this is also a test. You're trying to prove something. Either to me or about me. Either way, this is a test. I wonder, I, I just wonder, here I go getting in trouble wondering. I wonder what the Lord could tell you or me that I would not do. Oh, you want me to stop doing that? Sure. Wait, you want me to start doing this? Oh, wait. Oh, I don't know about that, Lord. Now I'm really questioning, was that your voice or not? I'm trying to give you some help here. The Lord's voice in your life doesn't have thousands of different sounds doesn't have a, well, sometimes he talks like this guy, and then sometimes he talks like that lady, and then sometimes he sounds like this voice, and sometimes he sounds like this. He, he doesn't have all of these different, well, sometimes I talk to my, my boy like this, but then sometimes when I want to be more different, I talk to him like that. That's not going to be helpful to a child, and he's a father, and he knows that. Okay, stay with me. I'm almost done. I told you I'm trying to hurry. I'm not wearing a red tie today. Brother Manuel is wearing a red tie today. If the Lord wanted me to wear a red tie, well, he, he would have had to talk to me about an hour and a half ago on that, first of all. But see, the Lord might say, Use your eyes, use your vision, I gave you that. You see what he's wearing? I like that. That's nice looking to me. Or here, here I go really stepping in it. It's just, it, you got to see the difference in my metaphor, okay? 
I like that because it looks holy to me. Come again? Did you say that? Yeah. I like the way that looks. All right. Well, I'll be going through my closet later and looking for all the blue and green and black ties and getting rid of them. Keeping only the red ones. Lord, because I want to do what you said. But, hear me. Hear me now. That's an example of maybe how the Lord talks to me. If Brother Kyle comes to me and says, you know, I think I like Brother Manuel's tie a little better than yours. I think maybe you ought to be wearing red ties more. Now I'm like, okay, Lord, I know the way you talk to me. And that was not it. Now, me and you, God, need to have a conversation about this. Because I'm willing to accept word and, and help and assistance, and I'm willing to accept all these things from your body if I know that it pleases you. But, God, that's just not how you normally talk to me. Then, if I, okay, I got my red tie, I'm looking good, finally comfortable, feel like I'm holy before the Lord, and I get in here next week and Brother Manuel's wearing a striped tie. Lord, I thought you wanted me to wear this, Lord. I did want you to wear that, and you listened. Good job. And he might even say, Keep the red tie. Don't go for the stripes. Just because he's wearing them doesn't mean you need to wear them. I heard that. Okay, I can do that. Lord, uh, what I'm telling you is I need to learn the way that the Lord talks to me. And he's not going to be doing it from all the different channels that sound and look a lot like the Lord talking to other people. In fact, hear me. I'm, gonna, I'm going on record as saying this. The more channels that you have speaking into you, the harder it's going to be to know which one is the Lord's voice. So, Find the one that is his. And then start turning down all the other ones. Lord, just turn them off. And know, Lord, I don't care what you tell that person back there or that person over there. I know this is your voice talking to me. And I want to live according to that voice. I want to follow that one. I would have questioned if Jesus would have came the exact same way that John the Baptist did. Behold a voice crying in the wilderness. The voice of one saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And even in the prophecies of Old Testament, it talked about his appearance. He looks like this and acts like that. Okay, I heard that voice. And I know that that was John the Baptist, and he told me the direction from the Lord. How, how awkward or how convenient would it have been if John the Baptist then said, right back here, the same direction that I came from is another guy that also has a big bushy beard and eats locusts and wild honey, and he is going to take it from here. Well, that's odd. Now I'm thinking, how many guys in the bushes back is there? And what's going to happen next? But the word of the Lord came first through John and then through Jesus. Actually, first through the prophets, then through John, then through Jesus. And the Lord is confirming the message every time. Let's be real, and I'm looking at the time. 
pressure, I, I, I'm not saying this to try to make you feel sorry for me or anything like that. The pressure on a pastor or a leader of, gr of a group like this is always be ready to change. Always be ready to do what the people want to do. Always have something cool and exciting and fun and new for the people. Because that's how you're going to make the people happy. The problem is you give in to that a little bit and all of a sudden it's, well, you're not happy with this anymore? What else do you want? Well, we want to do that. Okay, well, I, I wasn't happy with the first thing, but if, if it's really just about keeping you all happy, then we'll do this next. And then if it's about that, then we'll, we'll do this next. I'm, just, I'm sitting here wondering, and I, I'm having an honest dis discussion with you and me and the Lord about how do individuals and whole collective groups of people get further and further away from the Lord while convincing themselves they're still doing what is okay with the Lord and pleasing to the Lord. I'll give you, I'll give you just one such insight. Yeah, we're painting these walls this week. And, and it's been, what, 10 years since that's happened. I have told a few people now. I'm nervous about that, the change. I, I just want to keep these people happy. Oh, hang on. Don't, don't step there. But if I had been feeling some odd direction from the Lord, somewhere, how do I want the end of 2023 to look? Well, we're not, we can't just change everything on January 1st, but let's institute a little change here. Let's start with just telling all the men to wear sandals. That's crazy, I know. But just start with something small and strange and just a little bit different. And then you get a little further and further away from what you know is right. That's how, we, I talked about it last Tuesday, people want to hear new things. People want to hear fun, new, exciting things never heard before. And all I'm doing right now is buying time to not tell you what I wanted to tell you 10 minutes ago. I'm not going to tell you anything new. I don't have anything new to tell you. It's in the Bible. I want everything preached across this pulpit to this congregation to be what's in the Bible and only in the Bible. I was talking to somebody that knows I'm a preacher after a Sunday, and he said, Hey, how was your church today? It was good, thank you. Did you do anything new today? What? What? Yeah, you know, like, are you guys uh, following something, you know, what's the, what's, uh, what are you after now? What are you looking for, first of all? That's my question. I mean, I realize it's a, it's a, it was a sincere question, but the attitude behind it says, are you still doing the same thing you were doing five years ago, ten years ago, twenty, thirty? Are you still doing that? I'll tell you what, it's been going on a lot longer than 30 years. It's been going on since the beginning. What I try to do has been going on since the beginning. I told somebody this in a Bible study yesterday. There's two beginnings in the Bible, John and Genesis. Genesis is in the beginning God created the heaven, our world. John, in the beginning, was the Word. That's his beginning. Wait, he doesn't have a beginning. No, but that's the beginning of how he came to us. And I have nothing new for you. I don't want to get any further away than we are right now from that. I want to get closer and closer and closer to that. You can stand with me.
I mentioned this pressure. Holiday services. Now I'm now I'm just talking to you guys honestly. Holiday services are fun for people, but they are nightmares for church staff. And I'm not even talking about our church now. I'm just talking about in general because this is not something we deal with, thankfully. But it's true. Holiday services and events and activities are, can be nightmares for church staff because they're thrust into the middle of this position of, am I going to make people happy or am I going to do what God wants? I realize I'm the only elder of this congregation in here, and I'm not talking to a group of other elders of other congregations. So what I'm, say, what I'm telling you is not so you can take this to the congregation that you elder. I'm telling you this for you and for me, for the life. What you are responsible for is the decisions you make in your life and the same principles that a pastor takes to a congregation are the principles that you need to take for your life. Oh, he, he, he's just thinking, he's off in left field because he's worried about this or that. No, I started at the beginning saying, I want us all to make it to heaven. And I want us to do a lot more than that. I want us to please the Lord every day. Find him and please him. Do what he wants us to do. Collectively and individually. Would you close your eyes with me? Lord Jesus, I want to please you, God. I want my life to please you. I want the, the words that I say, the actions that I take, Lord, I want it all to be pleasing to you. I want it to be directed by you, Jesus. I pray that you would search me, O oh God. I pray that you would search my life, God. Take out anything that's not pleasing to you. God, let me know what is your voice and the way that you speak to me. God, I want to walk with you every day. I want to close relationship with you God come on we're going to have a time of prayer here I'm opening this altar I'm asking you to find a place to pray and talk to the Lord I know that his spirit is here and he's desiring to speak to individuals here in this room about the lives that he's wanting us to live about the choices he's wanting us to make Lord in your name I'm seeking after you right now, Jesus. I'm seeking after you, God. My desire is to do that which is pleasing to you. God, my desire is to know you more, to know your word, Lord Jesus, to know the voice with which you speak to me, God. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow your direction. Come on, make this your time of consecration right now between you and the Lord. God, I'm not looking at what others are doing. I'm not worried about the decisions others are making, God, for the course of their day, their week, their month, Lord. I want to be pleasing to you. God, I want to follow the voice that you speak to me with. God, I want to follow your word in the name of Jesus. I want to follow your word and your truth, God. Lord, I thank you for speaking to me. I thank you, God, for confirming your voice and your word to me in my spirit. Lord, I believe it as the scripture says, those that are led by your spirit are the sons of God. Teach me, Lord, what it's like to be led by your spirit. Teach me, Lord, what it's like to be sensitive to your voice and know your word and know your direction for my life. In the name of...
just seek the Lord? Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and what He wants to do with you. What He wants to say to you. God, I need to spend time in Your Word. I need to spend time in prayer. Jesus, I need to know what is the truth. I need to know, God, Your will for my life. Your direction for me and for my home and for my family. I need to know, God, the truth of Your Word. Your name is He. Your name. 
strong shine through the shadows you're going to go and that you spend regular time in. It doesn't have to be much, but I'm encouraging you to, when you, when you get there, pray a little and either quote or read the word a little there. And that's just, a, that's the start. If I can't pray in my house, there's something wrong. If I can't read the Bible in my house, there's something wrong. If I can't pray or read the Bible in my car, there's something wrong. And I know we all work in different places, but if you can't pray at least to yourself or, or read and quote quietly, silently to yourself in your mind, there's something wrong. Now, what I, so what I'm telling you is this is not a devotional thing. This is a test. Test. I want to be able to pray at my house. I want to be able to pray in my car and at my job and up and down the halls of my work building and in my office. I want to be able to do those things because what I said earlier, if, I'm fl if I come here and I get a little recharge, but then I, I float further and further away from that everywhere else I am. In my house, in my bedroom, in my car, on the, on the road, on the way where I go. 
If I'm just slowly drifting further away, that's not the way it ought to be. God never designed church buildings to be the place where we come and plug in to get what we need to make it through the rest of our hard lives. No, take His Spirit with you. Take His Word with you everywhere you go. Wives, hold your husbands accountable to this. Yes, I said it that way. Wives, hold your husbands accountable to this. Women don't need any help with these things. This is what they want all the time. Communication. All the time. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you for giving us direction. I thank you for giving us encouragement, giving us faith, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work that you are doing in this congregation and in the individual lives that are here, God. I give you thanks and I give you praise right now, Jesus, for all of the great and awesome things you are doing. I thank you, my Father. I thank you, my Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I be encouraged in your spirits. Amen. Find somebody. Smile at them. Tell them it's good to see them. God bless you. You're dismissed.